You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. We've been in, in a series looking at the, the wisdom books of, of the Bible. We've been looking at Proverbs. And, um, you know, there's, there's two ways to learn things. There's, there's the easy way or there's a the hard way. And uh, most life lessons, uh, unfortunately, sometimes we, we learn them the hard way. And what we look at is through God's word, we see that, hey, let me, let me just say this. The, the message of the gospel is not a self-help-like narrative. It's not like, hey, here's some principles. It's not like, hey, here's a, here's a way to spiritually work out or, or all this. There's wisdom and there's nuggets. But the message of the gospel is not self-help or, or fixing yourself. It's, it's, it's not even a, like resuscitation. It's a resurrection message that we were dead in our sin but God. Not but self, but I realized, or I picked up these 12 habits, or what, it's, it's no, but God transformed me and, and brought me back to life from the, the, the death um, that I deserved, the separation from God. And so the beautiful thing is that we also have these nuggets of wisdom in there. We, we have the transformative message of the gospel that changes everything, that's, that's ground floor for everyone, but then we can apply God's word, his, his truth, um, to our lives and live it out daily. Um, so that's what we're going to be looking at as we wrap up our series today. Uh, we've talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about making wise decisions, uh, but today we're going to talk about relationships. So um, more so talking about friendships. And so the first thing is this, if you're taking notes today, is that we are designed to be relational and communal. I said I wasn't going to fix it, but I'm going to try to fix it. Uh, we are designed to be relational and communal. Nope, not going to work. Cool. Um, so think about this. In, we, I've, I've talked about this. I've, I've hit on this in, in past series. But in the, in the very beginning, right, in the garden, everything God creates is good. The one thing that he says isn't good is the fact that man is alone. And so he creates Eve. And so he creates a, a relationship to happen. Even God in his, like, in the Trinity, there's perfect relation in that. So God is a relational God. He doesn't just invite us into a, a story. He invites us into a relationship with him. So God is relational, and we are made in his image. Therefore, God designed within us this desire, this need for relationships, for friendships, and also for community. There's, there's there's, there's two, there's a differing aspect of that. We talk about relational and communal, like what's the difference? Relational is very much like uh, the depth of like one-on-one or one with a, a smaller group of, uh, of people. And communal is this uh, bigger group of people that we do life with. Uh, think about Jesus's ministry. There was uh, over 500 that loved Jesus. And there was the, the, the 70 or so that followed him. Then there was the, the 12 that did daily life with him, but then there was the inner three, right? Peter, James, and John, there was this inner circle. And so there was, there was a depth of, of personal relationship, but there was also this big, a little bit of a broader net of, of communal living, of, of community, and we're designed for both. We, we, we talked about the, if you have a Bible with you, actually, we're gonna read this passage in Ephesians, um, very well-known passage, Ephesians chapter two, we're gonna start in verse 19. Uh, but it kind of explains this, that, that 
God uh, saves us, he redeems us, he gives us a new life, but it's not for us to just go find an island somewhere like Castaway, right? If you remember the movie, Wilson, right? That's, sometimes I'm like, that sounds actually really nice. If you're being honest, like, it sounds like, I mean, no chores, no boss, no job, no responsibilities, no laundry. Um, like, actually, no laundry because you just have the clothes on you. But uh, parts of that just seem kind of interesting. It seems like that would be a good break, but after a while, it would get old. And God doesn't just save us to, to just put us in a little corner by ourselves. But look at what t- Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, So now you Gentiles are no, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You're like, Matt, that talks nothing about relationships, nothing about friendships. He's saying that, hey, God is, there was, there was the Jews, God's chosen people, and there was the Gentiles. And he's saying, hey, the, the, the divide is no longer there. And even in the, the, the court where they would worship, the temple courts, there was a physical wall that would separate the Gentiles from the Jews. There was, there was a separation. He says, hey, now that you've received salvation, now that you put your trust and hope in the finished work of Jesus, there's no longer two groups, but he's knit you together in this thing called the family of God. He's, he's, he's made you sons and daughters. And when he does that, he doesn't just say, okay, now you're my son, go stand in a corner. Now you're my daughter, just go live life solo. He says, no, now that he, he, he identifies us as his children, he places us in families called the church to do life together. In fact, the early believers uh, at this time, they even referred to themselves as like a third race. It wasn't Jew, it was Gentile, but it was this new thing that God was doing. That we, we have to believe, this, it's not a personality trait, it's not a Enneagram number, it's not a Myers-Briggs, it's not whatever, it's not your upbringing. Every single person needs community and needs relationship. Like there's no asterisks. There's no like addendum to that. We're designed that way by God himself to have relationship with him and relationship with other people. We, we see it in his word and we see that he places us in these communities called the family of God, called the church, to do life together, to have purpose, to have value, to have significance, to do something with our life and to do life with other people. So if we're designed that way, and the second thing we have to remember is that our relationships and community have a huge influence on our life. Um, our relationships, our friendships specifically, and our community that we surround ourselves have a profound influence on our life. Um, think back to dumb moments in your life and to good moments in your life. And if you visually go there and you look around, generally there's going to be your friends with you because they're like, do it, do it. It's going to be funny, you know? And then you did it and you're like, that hurt. Um, growing up, like there, there's, there's those moments where we're, we're, we look at the highlight reels and the low light reels of life and they're done in community. It's how we're designed. And those community, those, those friends that we choose 
Um, they impact us. They, they, they shape the course of our life. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. So you don't have to be wise to be wise. Just walk with people who are wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Proverbs 20, or 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked lead them astray. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Now, generally, I, I talk about this with, with, in my past with students a lot because we, we talk about the influence of, of friends in their life. We pray for our children's friends all the time. Um, but this isn't just like a, a, a younger person thing. This is for us grown folk too. <laughs> friends shape our lives. Friends shape uh, the decisions we make, the, the things that we allow in our life. Friends have a massive, massive influence um, even just think about your taste in music growing up, right? I, mine it took a lot of meandering. Like we started out in country. My dad loved Bob Marley um, and, um, oh, I totally just lost his name. Uh, not Kenny Rod, not Kenny Jackson. Uh, the dude with the, uh, Michael Bolton, there we go. That's, I mean, as a kid growing up hearing Bob Marley and then Michael Bolton in the same car ride, I was very confused, you know? Um, Went through country, went through like a, a, an R&B and a hip hop stage and rap and then like an alt nation. Like it just, it very much ebbed and flowed. And there was usually friends around me who listened to the same things. Our, our lives are sh more than just music choices. Uh, but the, some of the dumbest things that I did in life were, were to fit in, were to be accepted or to, to have community. I, I remember this is, I'm not endorsing this, in high school, I loved fireworks. I still do. I'm a, I'm a kid at heart. Um, and we, um, we used to experiment making our own kind of concoctions of fireworks. And in, in high school, like, we, we went, I went to this, this party. These guys were all hanging out. And we used to put, like, a bunch of sparklers together. And it looks like a jet engine. And so, like, in front of everyone, I put this thing on the ground. I was picturing, like, the slow-mo, like, Mission Impossible when the thing just goes off behind you. And I was like, look how cool he is, you know? Um, what I was picturing in my head. Um, and so I'm like, I'm walking, I light this thing and I'm walking away slowly. And the problem is um, if you wrap it up too tight with too much duct tape, it doesn't just make a flame, it explodes. And so it like went off and all those little, you know, the little metal parts of the sparkler, I had all these like pinprick blood spots on the backs of my legs. And then I couldn't hear for like a day. Um, so it was really good. Um, don't play with fire or fireworks kids. But how many dumb things did I do in my life in order to fit in with community, to be accepted? How, how many things did I allow in my life because I, I, I did what other people were doing? That I, I, I walked, I didn't walk with the wise and became wise, but I walked with the fools and became foolish. Um, I have seen um, I've seen marriages walk through very hard seasons, not just because of the, the tension or the conflict within a marriage, but because of the friendships that are influencing the two parties involved in a marriage. And so when we, when we trace back the, the, the root work to a lot of underlying habits, problems, struggles, hardships in our life, we have to look at the source of influence. And we're not saying that like, friends are the, the problem to all this, um, but friends massively influence our lives. 
They shape the course and direction. Um, so uh, three things we're going to differentiate, and then we're going to get out of here today. Uh, so three things as we look at friendships, as we look at relationships, um, what, is this, what does it look like? What does it mean? There's a couple of things that we have to di- differentiate between. Uh, the first two is community versus connectivity. Community versus connectivity. Um, there is a... Uh, there is a, a desert of deep connectivity in the society that we live in. Um, we, we often um, default to shallow connectivity via social media, via whatever, because it's easy. Because we can, we can put up a filter, we can, we can put out as much of ourselves as we want to. And so when we talk about friendships, we often just talk about connectivity, but there's a, there's a different aspect. It's totally different. Um, I saw this, or I heard this this week, is that the uh, big oil in 20, 2022, uh, their profit was $219 billion. Drop in the bucket, right? $219 billion in 2022. Um, social media advertising brought in $230, million, $230 billion, meaning that the most valuable, one of the most valuable resources is not digging in the earth to bring up oil, but one of the most valuable resources that they see is your attention. Our attention span is a commodity that is fought for. And, and on platforms in which we seek after relationships, but we, we settle for shallow connectivity, our, our, our attention span is being bought at, being being fought for. Um, it's more precious than that. There was a study, uh, a book that actually just came out um, that I saw this. They, they looked at the problem of, of church in America. Um, and they say, hey, there, there's been a decline in a church attendance. And they try to, of course, they want to figure out like what's involved. And there's many different things, but they, uh, they said that it's not just from, you know, churches doing bad stuff, or it's not just from uh, beliefs or, or conflict, but they noticed this. Oh, I'm going to read a quote of this. Um, the book came out. It, it defined, one of the defining problems driving most people who leave um, is just how American life works in the 21st century. Contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality, care, or common life. Rather, it is designed to maximize individual accomplishments as defined by professional and financial success. Such a system leaves precious little time and energy for forms of community that, won't contri- that don't contribute to one's own professional life. It says that one of the reasons that, that people are tending to stop going to church is because the pace of life that we live does not agree with this idea of biblical community of doing life with other people. We're so stretched thin. We're, we're so from point A to, to, to Z with 37 stops in between. I know there's not that many letters, but I said it anyways. I, he's saying if, if, if the way of life doesn't fit that model to benefit you professionally, that we just don't have time for it, that Americans just don't make time for it, that communal living requires some kind of sacrifice, that it requires a, a priority shift, it requires something different. And we see this community outlined for us in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. We've read this passage, I don't know how many times, um, here as a church, uh, because it's so foundational. 
right? The book of Acts is the, the beginning of the church. After Jesus' um, death, burial, and resurrection, the, the church explodes, it starts. Um, and this is where they met together, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, not twice a month, not like came and check a box and left. This idea is, is, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. This idea of community wasn't just a service. It wasn't just like something they went to, saw those people, God bless you, have a good week. It, they, they did a life together. Like the very beginning of the church and there was this tight-knit community. You're like, Matt, we talk about community all the time because it's, it's important, because we're designed for it. We're not called to just live silo lives. We're, we're called to do life with people, to share meals, to rejoice, to celebrate, to encourage one another. And, and community cannot operate in a, um, in a social structure of our life that is in a vacuum, that we put walls up and we, we, we only allow a couple of people in for, for an hour a week. Community to me is, is this equation of, of proximity plus frequency plus unity, right? They were, they met together continually, like daily. So there was, there was frequency. They were all unified and Jesus is the main story. Generosity is gonna bleed out of what we believe and think and do and we're gonna celebrate. My, my stuff isn't even my stuff. If you need something, I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna provide for you. So they were unified. So they had, they had uh, frequency, they had unity in proximity. They, they, they were next to each other. It wasn't distant. It was, it was together, it was daily, it was through meals, it was through studying God's word, it was through worship. There was this communal aspect that happened. And I know it sounds ideal. You're like, Matt, are you talking about Little House on the Prairie kind of life? Like, what is this? Are we all gonna like buy a giant piece of property and live there together? Like, what, is this? what does this look like, Matt? It, it looks like when we see something that's a priority in God's word, and then when we look at our lives and we see an absence of that priority, it doesn't mean we just need to flip the page. And this isn't like a, a, a guilt talk or, or anything. What I'm saying is that you're designed for more. We're designed for more. We're designed to do life with other people. The people around us that we're unified with in spirit. And uh, I, I told you before, I love science. There's benefits of this because uh, there's a show called Brain Games. You ever saw it? Um, shameless plug. It's, um, they look at the science of like, the way of thinking and the, the perception and the way that we interact with the world. Uh, and they did this one experiment where they, um, they had a, a waiting room set up with a bunch of actors in it. And they brought in this one lady 
And um, they're all sitting in the waiting room and this like buzzer goes off and instantly everyone like stands up for like two seconds and sits back down. She's like, what is going on? So like there's hidden cameras everywhere and they're watching her and she's just like, these people are weird. But like every couple of minutes, this buzzer goes off and they all stand up just acting normal, you know, reading their, reading their magazine or on their phone and then they sit back down. And so they, they keep watching her and after like three times of everyone standing up, she's like, well, I guess I have to too. And so she stands up. She has no idea why she's doing it, but she does it. And so they like keep tracking every time the buzzer goes off, she stands up and it's like they wanted to take this a little bit further. So they, they started calling people, calling people out of the waiting room until she was the only one left. And the buzzer went off and no one's watching her and she still does it. She still stands up and sits back down. And they want to take it even further. Like, well, let's put new people into the waiting room and to see what happens. So the first new person comes in the waiting room and it's like moment of truth. The buzzer goes off and she's kind of looking at him like, this is going to be awkward. And she like just stands up. He's kind of like looking at her like, what's going on? Sits back down. It happens three times. And finally, he's like, what are you doing? She's like, I don't know. (laughs) Every time the buzzer goes off, they stand up. And so she's like, I just do it. And so the buzzer goes off and he's like, okay, I'll do it too. And they start adding more and more people into this room. And pretty soon they're all doing something. They have no idea why they're doing it, but they, they talked about the power of conformity and how it's very real that you don't want to be the odd one out. You're like, I guess I'm going to stand up too. Maybe the chair is going to shock me. Maybe it's for circulation. I don't know, but I'm not asking questions. And so there's a, there's a, there's a good and a bad side to this. The good side is that in the power, with the power of conformity, when we put ourselves in, in a close proximity with a unified group of people that have the same value set as us, that celebrate the same things, that prioritize the same things, that's reinforcement. Those, those good things of, hey, we're going to celebrate, we're going to be generous, we're going to love, we're going to encourage, we're going to lift others up, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to pray, we're going to believe, we're going to invest. Those kind of things, it's great because we, we want to be a part of that. That conformity is a, is a beautiful aspect of that that we want to be a part. We see someone else's generosity. We're like, I want to be a part of that. We see someone else taking a bold step of faith. We're like, I want, I want to, like it makes your own faith rise up and well up. But at the same time, if we relationally allow in the wrong group of friends into our life, that power of conformity can lead us down a path that we don't want to walk down. So what we have to say is, hey, I have a propensity. We, as humans, we have a propensity to, to adapt and somewhat conform to the environment that we're in, the people that we're around. We're designed for relationships. We're designed to, to do life communally, not just siloed, not just like us, us three and no more. So, so how, do we, how do we have to some selection standards then? Like who, who makes the cut? Who, allow, who do we allow into uh, the circle? Which brings us to number two, is that we have to determine the difference or differentiate the difference between getting better and fe- feeling better. Between getting better and feeling better. I may have told this before, but when my kids were little, it was when we only had two. Uh, my wife had a work trip to Boston, and so uh, we went, uh, me and Jude and Carson, we got to go. Uh, and they were still little. Uh, Jude was, I think, still eating a bottle. And so we, uh, she had work stuff during the day. And so I was like, I'm just going to explore the city. And so we, uh, I put them in the double stroller. We're like walking all around Boston, seeing all the sights, all the cool stuff. Um, and Carson, my oldest, his favorite thing to do um, in all of Boston was ducks at a pond. Like that was his, like, that was a highlight. He wanted to just feed the ducks. 
And so I'm like, dude, there's, there's history here. There's like, this is like the, the founding fathers were here, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, there's ducks and they need to eat. So we go to 7-Eleven right near this park and we buy like a loaf of bread. Um, and so we're out there and, and pretty soon, like word gets out on the street that these dudes have bread. And so we're, we're feeding, there's turtles in the water. There's all kinds of stuff. We're feeding these, these ducks and they're flocking in from like across the lake. Cause they're like, dude, we know where the buffet's at, right? These are Southern people. They know how to get down. I mean, it was white bread, which is, is actually really delicious, but bad. Um, and so we're feeding these ducks and he's just like, he's just making it rain bread. He's just throwing out pieces left and right. And I'm like, one, you may kill a duck because they don't know moderation. And he's going to choke on a whole slice of, you know, bunny bread here. And so uh, we're breaking it in little pieces and he's just, he's having the time of his life. Like no cares in the world. Ducks are coming everywhere. But I, I'm looking at the bag of bread and I'm like, you're going to need to transition out of like abundance land and start, you know, rationing this thing out. Um, Cause I'm not going to buy more bread. So towards the end, I start giving him smaller and smaller pieces and smaller pieces. And these ducks are everywhere. He's throwing it. And then pretty soon, of course, we get to the end of the bread. And the, these newfound friends that he has made, um, they don't hang out long. Pretty soon they realize, hey, this, this gravy train's over. And so they kind of start to walk away. And he's like, what happened? I thought you guys were my friends, my pals, right? And pretty soon they scatter off to find some other sucker who bought a loaf of bread and letting his kids, you know, make it rain. And so this, this idea of, of, of friendships should have a mutual unselfishness to them. We shouldn't go into friendships or into community, especially with a consumer mindset of what will this bring to me or what can this offer me or what can this offer me? At the same time, we, we can't just always like fully give of everything. There, there's a mutual relationship that happens within friendships. And one indication usually of a, of a toxic friendship is yeah, everything happens in seasons of, of me, 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 me. And so we have to be careful that, that, that we support one another. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Proverbs 27, 17 is, Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Meaning that the, one of the goals of our friendships is not just to surround ourselves with people who, who make us feel better. You shouldn't feel miserable around them. That's probably a given. But the highest goal of a friendship is not for us to just feel better, but ultimately for us to be better. So we need friends in our life that are willing to tell us, hey, bro, you're acting like an idiot. But I love you. I love you enough to tell you. Your real friends are the ones who tell you you have something in your teeth. The other ones are just too nice to say anything about it, Right? We need friends who are willing to say the hard things, to have the hard conversations with us because we don't always know what's best. And the beautiful thing about community and the beautiful thing about friendships is they're there to sharpen us, to make us better. Here's a real question is, do you have friends in your life that just tell you what you want to hear or that love you enough to tell you the things that maybe are hard to hear, but you need to hear. And not just like the person walking down the street. I'm talking about the invested friendship, because everyone has some criticism for everyone, right? But the people who know you, 
do you, do you, are you able to receive that? Do we have people in our life that are willing to, to like have those conversations that are really awkward and say, hey, I've noticed a pattern in your life. I've noticed this pulling you, pulling you away. I've noticed priorities are maybe out of alignment because I love you enough to say something. Think about it. Jesus, right? He, he had his, his friends around them, his friends around him. Jesus, I, I've never read where Jesus told the disciples to follow their heart or you do you, Right? It was like, hey, get behind me, Satan. It was, it was, it was these rebukes. In fact, when you look at like John 15, where, where Jesus actually calls him, he says, no longer do I call you servants, but now I call you friends. No greater love is, to, is the, the, a man who lays down his life for his brother. He's talking about friendships, right? And then right after that in John 16, um, he said this to his disciples. He said, last year speaking plainly and figuratively. They, they, said, uh, they said, oh, now we know what you're talking about. He was talking in, in, you know, in, in parables and stuff. They're like, clearly now we understand. And Jesus is like, yes, you understand now, but pretty soon you're going to scatter and you're going to leave me alone. He told them what they needed to hear. It was real. It, there wasn't just this, hey, you're my friends, and because I, I, I don't want this, this friendship to end, I'm only going to tell you what you want to hear. That's not a friendship. That, that's just putting people around you to make you feel good about your good and bad decisions. We need people around us who are gonna sharpen us, who care enough about our walk with Jesus to point out things in our life that are leading us down a different path. That's a real friend who will say the hard things in a loving way. We clarify some of these things, right? In a loving way. Not, hey, idiot. You know, like, I mean, guys, we can do that sometimes to each other because that's just the way we talk. But, hey, bro, you're being dumb. Okay, thank you. I, I received that. Thank you. You know, like we, we need people who will help us to be better and not just feel better. And then lastly, the third one thing we have to differentiate is a clean wallet versus a bad back. You're like, where are you going with this one? Um, I'm going to confess. Okay, so, so years ago, I immediately, when I think about my wallet, I kind of compared it to George Costanza. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember if any, any Seinfeld fans, remember the, the episode, his wallet? He had like sugar packets in it. He had receipts from like whenever. I have another picture of just a thick wallet. I, mine wasn't this thick, but I used to have a wallet. Now, this is not why I had back surgery, um, but I would never ride in the car or, or sit down with it. I would just put it in my back pocket to walk, and that was about it, because I had the wallet that was like massive. So, dude's moment of truth, like, who, who, who needs to clean out their wallet? Let's be honest. Okay, thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. We'll pray for you. I changed a couple years ago. This, is, this was a skinny wallet. It's getting a little bit thicker. It needs to go on a diet. But I, I changed because I realized that I don't need business cards from someone I met four years ago that I don't even remember who they are. Who has business cards anymore anyways? You just take a picture of it. Or like I didn't need to carry around every gift card or a coupon to Jersey Mike's that expired two years ago. Or receipts of something that, here's the true test, when the receipt is so old that the thermal paper has like worn off and you can't read it anymore, now it's just white. Am I the only one? Okay. I always, I always made fun of my wife sometimes too because with women's purses, it's like if you are gonna be stranded somewhere in the wilderness, just take a lady's purse because you will survive. There is enough food in there. There is enough random stuff that you're gonna be like, oh, we, here's a way out of this situation. 
like cheese sticks from four years ago that could feed our family. There's always stuff just hanging out. No, she's, she's, she's cleaned the purse. Uh, but here's, here's what I mean. There's not just one day that you're like, let me open up the junk drawer of my life and put everything in my wallet and carry that stuff around with me. It's not just like a collection. It is a slow accrual over years and years of of unimportant stuff that you put inside your wallet or in your purse and that you carry around that you don't need. And they're talking about, it's a real thing that people have like bad backs and back pain because they're sitting on a brick. You're actually causing yourself physical pain (laughs) because you're carrying around stuff that you don't need anymore. There are some friendships in our life that we have maintained just for longevity's sake. That we know they're bad for us. Because every time we're around them, we're gossiping, we're doing stuff we shouldn't do, we're, 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 the joking is crude, whatever it may be. You know it's not good. You know it's not a beneficial. You know every time that friend talks, you're like, yeah, I don't really trust them. They're probably lying to me. But they're still my friend. Why? Now, this isn't like just get rid of people and like there's going to be some, a lot of activity on Facebook of defriending afterwards. Please don't, okay? What I'm saying is that we, we have to, the only way to clean out the wallet is what? You got to take every card out, every receipt out, every sugar packet, every whatever it is, multi-tool. Does this add value to my life? Is this benefiting me or is this hurting me? Hey, I have, I, have a, I have a struggle with gossiping, but every time I call this friend, every time I'm around him, it's, and we can say, oh, hey, I want to let you know so you can pray about the person. No, you're just gossiping. And you, you're, like, you're like standing strong in your convictions, but every time you're around them, you, you, you find yourself doing it again. And they're not going to change. Your values are different. Your priorities are different. You can still be friends with them from a distance, but they don't have to be in the inner circle that influences your life. We have to take real assessments. This isn't just for, for teenagers or for kids. It's for grownups. We've lived longer. We have more of those people in our lives. And if, if all we find is, well, hey, I, I actually don't see a lot of friendships in here that are godly, that are wholesome, that are true and pure and, 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 and unselfish, then maybe I need to start surrounding myself with like-minded people are going to point me in the right direction. Maybe I need to include people in my life that love me enough. And that doesn't happen overnight. That takes years and it takes seasons and it takes, takes time. But it's worth it because we're designed to live like that. God made us in his image. He, he, he saves us and he puts us in communities called the church. He, he does this all for a reason, not just so that we can have people to stare at on a Sunday morning. He does it so that we can get better, so that we can have a greater impact, so that we can have other people who speak into us, who encourage us, who call us up, who call us out at times. That's what I need. That's what we need. I'll lead us with Psalm 1. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. 
but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So we got to ask ourselves, Lord, what is, what is the fruit of some of these relationships that I'm in? What is the, the fruit of it? Where do I need to grow and I need to actually lower down some walls and allow people into my life? I need to allow some actual community, some friends into my life. It's hard, but it's good work and it's worth it because it's how God designed us to operate to our fullest potential. Surrounded by a community of, of people who are unified in thought and belief and value sets and tightly knit together with, with friends who pray for us, who care for us, who point us to Jesus and are willing to have the hard conversations. And in, in tune, we have to be willing to do the same. Let me pray for us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the incredible blessing that, Lord, that you even call us friends. God, that you designed for us to operate our lives not in a vacuum, but God, in community where we can be blessed and be a blessing, where we can be encouraged and encourage others, where we can call up and be called up. God, I pray for a deepening of our friendships, Lord. Good friendships don't just get better left alone. They get better when they're attended to, when they're poured into and invested into. And God, if, if we feel ourselves in a season of loneliness, of feeling isolated, Lord, that this would be an encouragement to surround ourselves with people, to get more involved in community, to find opportunities for that to flourish, whether it's lunch after church, whether it's a Bible study or a rooted group, Lord, whatever it is, God, you would, you would encourage us to take those next steps because we're designed for community. We're designed to be relational. So God, help us to walk in the way that you made us. For your glory and for our good. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Church, we love you. As always, our prayer team is down front. We would love to pray with you for anything. Uh, church, we love you. Have a great week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at the renovation dot church.